when you started in law enforcement, and f- for sure I didn't, I would never have thought when I started in law enforcement that I would do at least one case of that magnitude in my career. That was the furthest thought from my mind. But as we developed, as it it grew, it kept getting bigger and bigger, and and it was like a watermelon. Mm -hmm. Brought to you by Defense Forensic, where we find the truth in data. Hello, and welcome to Digital Forensics Redefined Podcast. This week, I sat down with retired Special Agent Greg Phillips from the Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation. Over the years, you you are a heck of an investigator. I taught you well. You taught me? Uh, I, th- I thought I was the definition of teaching an old dog new tricks. You are the definition, but I don't know if that's <laughs> it. <laughs> so... <clears throat> trying to get back on track here a little bit because we don't I don't want to go into my the whole educational process of teaching you how to do police work but um yeah right <laughs> that goes under the heading of fat chance go ahead I'm listening <laughs> so killer was kind of the focus I mean the the start of the he, he ended up being the kind of the big yeah the primary target um um in this investigation that we've been talking about, and that kind of it kind of brought a whole new dynamic to rural Wisconsin. Really, I mean, yeah. At that point, we had, um, you know, at a time where we've talked about the technology and the and the different things that we did and and stuff, but we really at that point we were it was really kind of high speed the stuff we were doing in yeah. terms of of utilizing the technology and things we had available to us. I mean, we had, we had all of our, our targets with on playing cards. Yeah. That was, yeah, that, that was like unheard of up there. Exactly. We had, we had like a whole deck of cards and we just handed all right, you're going to go arrest ace and the ace of clubs is so-and-so and and the queen of diamonds is so-and-so. Exactly. That's how we passed them out. And, and we had, we had packed, we had put the packets together Spent half the night putting packets together. <clears throat> yeah, I know. So, you know, at that point, that's like that was like the new the new thing. I mean, we you know we had computers and and all this stuff to do, and that's that's how right. we utilized it. But it was still a lot. If you look at what we were doing then today, mm-hmm. it seemed like a little bit archaic because we would do this all on. You know, uh, on, on a computer, and on everybody digital. would log in, and they'd have it all on their phone, exactly. and all this stuff. So, you know, one thing I want, uh, one person I do want to mention in the, in this is uh, Dan Carey, the prosecutor on this case. He was a very a very nice guy, and he pretty much listened to us when we suggested things and. And to this day, I often think of Dan, even though he did manage, he passed away right after um, our case was 
came to fruition and we got the convictions and that kind of thing. Right. We, and we've, I, we've, I've actually talked about him on here. I had Kevin Croninger, the current mm. DA, who was a, an assistant DA under Dan. Right. And and learned a lot from him. So we, we've actually talked about Dan and on, the, on our podcast here before. So, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff then was kind of foreign to him as a, right. as, a as a prosecutor and a seasoned military veteran. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was a, a, a Marine yeah. JAG officer. Yeah. He was a JAG officer. So we, you know, for us to uh, bring a lot of this stuff was new to him and new to the courtroom and the judges. Yeah. And there was a lot of a lot of education and, and, you know, there was a lot of publicity, The you know, the... The internet at the time was buzzing with this stuff. Oh yeah, we had the uh, the the business model that the gangs used that were coming up there. Right. We had actually the 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 National District Attorneys Association right. at the time, and I might be a little off here on, but it was like the the leader, the spokesman of that organization was the Winnebago, Illinois County DA. Right. And he did some congressional testimony about the the business model that the gangs were using Mm -hmm. coming up from Chicago to, to deal with the, the, the per cap and the native American tribes and and how they were and doing all that. So, so that was a, just a time of, of, you know, gangs in rural well, Wisconsin from Chicago is things, you know, they only saw in movies and stuff. Well, and, and that was, that developed into kind of a business model nationwide for not just uh, the Chicago gangs, but some of the other gangs out west and out in New York and that kind of thing, and how they were branching out. Uh, into these different areas, and then they started branching out into the suburban suburban areas of these communities, such as the suburbs of Chicago and suburbs of Minneapolis, and and places like that. Well, and and now into modern times, it's you know the the Mexican drug cartels and stuff with the meth right. and the fentanyl coming up. You know, from from Mexico, Mexico up to Minneapolis and over to Lacrosse, Wisconsin. So. Yeah, but at the time, you know, Killer was kind of the focus of of this case, and then you know, different different um, gang members, associates of Killer that would come up, and you know, they they would rotate and and do different things. But um, for a year, year and a half of our lives, I mean, oh. Killer was a, a daily conversation. And, and the amount of work that was involved. Right, yeah. I mean, in, in trying to, um, the other part of what happened during a lot of this also, you had reports, I had reports, but then we had to marry these reports, which meant that we had to keep these reports not necessarily in a central repository, but... I'd write a report, and you would have to write a report for your agency. I would write, you would write a report, and I'd have to write a report for my agency. Mm-hmm. And these reports, had, they ended up being, vo- being a volume of uh, information that we ultimately had to submit to um, 
Dan Carey and the DA's office. And, I mean, this wasn't just a a little notebook, a little bitty notebook. Yeah, these it, were binders. These were binders. The, yeah, these, yeah, these were not. Well, and that, that kind of goes to what we've been talking about. I mean, now with the, the cloud and the RMS systems they have nowadays, I right. mean, that's literally a click of a button and you send it to the cloud and the prosecutor's secretaries log in and, and download it and they have it all. Right, that, exactly. Then it was literally either having somebody fax it over to the DA's office or we would accumulate it and yeah. drive over a binder. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's mm. how it worked. And, and, you know, I mean, we're dealing with issues that are unheard of now. I mean, right. We're printing color photos and, you know, we got to buy cartridge to go to Walmart to get ink cartridges. <laughs> and, you know, the, the chief's upset because the ink cartridge is forty nine ninety five, And, you know, we're printing color photos. And, and, and I mean, we just all go through ink like crazy and, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah, if, if only Killer would have known. How much? I mean, it probably cost us one hundred and nineteen ninety five to print all the photos from everything he did. Right, exactly. You know? so, it had been it had been better for him just to get into the print the cartridge printing business. Yeah, it had been legal. The chief had to, we had to have an extra brat sale to afford <laughs> paper to print to take over to Sparta. And I mean, yeah, just just the 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 change and it's it's what you know two thousand five six seven time frames I mean we aren't talking that long ago right but and, and stop and think about this would when you started in law enforcement and f for sure I didn't I would never have thought when I started in law enforcement that I would do at least one case of that magnitude. In my career, that was the furthest thought from my mind. But as we developed, as it it grew, it kept getting bigger and bigger, and and it was like a watermelon. Mm -hmm. Well, I could say that everybody was everybody was it was a it was just everything was different. I mean, how many trips did we make from Madison oh. Lacrosse down to Chicago to do interviews? Right now, you'd have them log in on their computers and you'd interview them over Teams, and you'd do it in your boxer shorts at your kitchen table. Well, maybe not that, and maybe that's a well. I did do that one time though. But you remember, you remember that, you remember that, um, that traffic stop we did between Sparta and at Fort Mac at, outside of Fort McCoy. Yeah, what, what, did, what happened? And, and I ended up having to testify, <laughs> and I testified from home. <laughs> I did. We pulled over. Somebody must have really yeah, been and they a bad they, day. Yeah, they really pissed us off. It, well, I mean, <clears throat> they made us very mad, and it made we had to do some police action. <laughs> and <laughs> we didn't. We couldn't have wrote a ticket between the two of us. No, <laughs> we must have had somebody come write a ticket. Well, or something, I don't. But. but we ended up going to court, or I ended up having to testify, and instead of having me come all the way up there just to testify in a traffic case. I did a telephone testimony, and um, I was sitting in my living room. Yeah. Very professional. There you go, with your suit and tie on. Mm-hmm, yeah. my suit and tie on. But, um, yep, you very know, very professional. 
me. Everybody was scared of that group of individuals. Yeah. And everybody knew them. Everybody up there knew of Killer or knew Killer or got dope from Killer. Right. You come down to Chicago to talk to people, and people knew Killer. I mean, you, yeah. you ran into some random person in another case, and they knew of, of Killer, Killer or his organization. And he did first... have an organization. Oh, yeah, big time. And I, I found out um, also, well, remember Saida told us, they, where they live, or where they had a stash house over on the west side of Madison in a nice residential area, um, not far from where the Home Depot is on the west side of Madison. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they that stash that was their stash house, and she didn't know Madison from Atlanta. Mm-mm. No, her little area of Chicago was all she knew. Right, but she knew she'd heard about this place, mm-hmm. and, and that was the first time in my life where I ever. We I came down, we interviewed her, and there wasn't any furniture in the in the house. But it, yeah, I had to sit on a floor because <laughs> in that neighborhood they couldn't sit up high because bullets start coming through the windows. Yeah, I, ne- I never in my I never was exposed to that. So. Yeah, just, that was a different world for yeah, you. Yeah, so Killer just totally changed the landscape of things. Even to this day, there's people up there. Now we're second, third generation, you know, gang member, drug dealers. They still know Killer or, or have heard of him. Or, what was the lady's name that lived up in, in Black River Falls? That lived in the... Oh, yeah, I, I can't I can't think of her either, name. But, yeah, so... It just, you know, it, it that that case in today's day and age, which probably would never happen because you just don't see a lot of those type of conspiracy cases, right? Anymore, and that's what it was. It was it was a conspiracy, right? And you know, and we had to initially prove to Dan that we had two or more people in concert to commit a crime, and that crime was distribution of controlled substances in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, and it's kind of neat because if we could do that same thing now, it would be so much easier. With the, oh, please. You know, with the, we wouldn't have to make all these trips to Chicago. No. We'd, we'd have every, everybody would have at their fingertips. Right. You know, clouds, the whole case we'd have in the cloud under a, you know one case, and people could look at it. And we could in. possibly monitor their communications in the cloud even, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, there's things we could do that way, too. I mean, that's a whole whole other gamut as far as doing that. We didn't we didn't even have any of that ability back then. Right. Or at least we didn't utilize what was available in that regard. Well, because back then, in order to, to actually run, like, uh, what we call Title III or wiretaps and stuff like that, it took an act of Congress mm-hmm. and God and, and anybody else that was in the neighborhood and somebody that had 50 cents that could lend us some money. Well, and it was very labor-intensive. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah, I mean, you had to staff them 24-7. And- oh, yeah, you monitor the. You had to have people monitoring stuff. Right. And then when you had the monitors out or monitoring, you had to also have surveillance teams out and Whoa, that, there was days. But we had a good time. I mean, at the end of the day, we, it was successful. Oh, uh, yeah. We definitely, we, at that point, I mean, the, the, the judges at that time, I mean, the, the 
the educational part of that for, uh-huh. for law enforcement up in that area. Um, prosecutors, defense attorneys. And, and defense plus, attorneys had no idea. Oh, no. With, with the whole conspiracy thing at that time. Plus, we were such, we had such wonderful personalities, you and I. People just loved us. Well, I did. It, well, I carried but you see, a little. Oh, wait a minute. I carried your water. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, people were just dying to confess to us. Okay, to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they they like me. Yeah, after 42 laps around the vehicle. Yeah, well, that was a whole other story for another anything day. that day. Yeah. yeah, no. But, you know, all things considered, um, I can't stress, you know, law enforcement nowadays isn't like it was when you and I were working together. They don't, they're getting such a bad rap that a lot of these guys are getting burned out. And, you know, even young guys, not to mention a lot of the young guys that are coming on the job now, they know how to play video games and they, that kind of thing. They know how to work computers, but they really don't know how to talk to people. And that's the biggest portion of law enforcement is your yeah. ability to talk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and- Using the technology and stuff though is 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 key as well. I mean, it's hard. It's Using hard to it be effectively. A, yeah, it's hard to be fully rounded and right and, and be able to do everything that's expected nowadays. And I think we are both fully rounded. <laughs> Some more than others. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching this episode of Digital Forensics Redefined, featuring retired special agent Greg Phillips. Thanks for watching our podcast this week, brought to you by Defense Forensic, where we find the truth in data. Also, check out our website at defenseforensic.com for more information on services for individuals and organizations that require expert analysis of digital evidence. And once again, join us right here on Spotify for future episodes.